0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge introduces the all-new Razor Guide Pack. Coming in at 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, The Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a five-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a three-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip-and-zip saw for wood or bone. Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the Razor Guide Pack has it all. For more information, visit (laughs) OutdoorEdge.com. Check one two Mike Check. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Hunting Gear Podcast. Your number one source for all things hunting gear and equipment. Conversations and discussions with random people throughout the North American whitetail, elk, bow hunting, hunting, period community. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was the worst intro. Uh I didn't write that down. And so I apologize if you got confused there. But welcome to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today we have another really good conversation with another member of the Sportsman's Empire, Mr. Nate Thomas from the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. And I like having Nate on because although we, can, we have different, um, we have hunting similarities, we also do a lot of things differently. So we're going to talk today about broadheads. We're going to talk today about the difference between, uh, I, I have a 30 inch draw, I think he said he has a 27 or 28 inch draw, so he has to shoot a, sh- a shorter arrow, um, I have I, I have the ability to shoot a longer arrow with uh, a mechanical broadhead, he talks about why he chooses fixed blades, uh, we talk about saddles, we talk about ground blinds, we talk about uh, hang-ons and what scenarios to use those in or what scenarios we use those in, uh, compared to, you know, uh, different times a year, different setups. Is it a pinch point? Is it a rut spot? Is it easy to access? Is it a morning hunt? Is it an afternoon hunt? So we really get into all of these, um, you know, all of these, uh, really good details about, I guess it's really like four or five products today. Uh, but it's a good conversation. And I know you guys, if you guys are, uh, gear nuts, uh, I know you're going to enjoy it. Do me a favor. Go to iTunes. Leave a five-star review on the Hunting Gear Podcast. Let everybody know that it's a, it's, it's a, a good quality podcast. It's unbiased. It, uh, a lot of the information comes straight from the manufacturer when, I, when we do some of these deep dives into uh, uh, specific manufacturers, hunting gear, hunting product manufacturers. I'm uh, really looking forward to that. And then what do I want to do? What do I want to do? Oh, so leave a five-star review. Um, if you have any questions about products per se, or if you have some kind con- you know any questions or there's something you want to talk about, uh, hit me up, hit me up through Instagram. The Nine Finger Chronicles is the best way. Send me a message. Say, hey, Dan, talk about this or get this company on the podcast, and I'll do my best to do that. So appreciate all you guys listening and making this uh, podcast uh, pretty popular. And then uh, we do have one commercial today. And that is Code Blue. So Code Blue is a brand new podcast for a a brand new partner of the Nine Finger Chronicles and the Hunting Gear podcast. And if you're not familiar with them, you need to go check out their website. Um, I'm really interested in the mock scrape kits that they have because this year I'm going to be, I've been planning on doing for years now. uh, I've been planning on doing some you know setting up some mock scrapes so I have two main farms I'd love to get a couple mock scrapes on each farm They have a very simple kit that allows you to do that and so I am uh, I'm looking forward to running a lot of mock scrapes If you're the scent type of guy whether that is you know you want uh, scent elimination products or you're looking for the dough and estrus or you're looking for you know uh, buck lures to put in scrapes uh, that kind of stuff, they have a like really really strict collection process where they collect their urine and it's one buck or one deer per bottle or bag and so it's not a mix uh, they do have synthetics but the real urine the real tarsal glands uh, come from one deer per bag and so that's really interesting and i, I uh, uh, it just means it's uh, quality controlled. So go check out their website, and uh, I'm going to be able to provide you with a discount code on the next episode of the uh, Hunting Gear Podcast. I don't have it right now, but I'm going to provide it to you, so stay tuned for that. All right, let's cut to the chase, and let's get into today's Hunting Gear Podcast episode where we talk about broadheads, tree stands, with my man, Nate Thomas. Three, two, one... All right, everybody, welcome back to the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and today we are joined by another brother from the Sportsman's Empire, Mr. Nate Thomas of the Missouri Woods and Water Podcast. What's up, man?
1: Brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a (laughs) hug.
0: Love it. Love it. Um, Baseball. We've got to talk a little bit about baseball because I know your son's in baseball. My son... Just finished his last regular season game last night. And now we have state this upcoming weekend. And, gee, many Christmas. Like, it's just been busy and crazy. And I didn't know that the level of competition at this age group was so cutthroat.
1: No, it's... I I have learned that the era that you and I grew up in is no longer a thing. Is gone. It's gone. It's gone. I've got a 12 year old and competitive baseball and a 15 year old daughter in competitive softball. And I, I just got, we just got home let, uh, late Sunday night from Nebraska from softball. Man. And the weekend before that, the 12 year old boy was down in Springfield, Missouri at state baseball. Yeah. And you're just like, dear Lord, it, it's you're always somewhere. And yeah, you you're almost, you almost wonder if it's worth it, but then you watch them mm-hmm. and you watch, you know, the, the, I don't know how old your son is doing it but you watch the camaraderie they they grow with these kids that yep. don't go to their like my daughter all, the team's on her the girls on her team not a single one of them go to the same school. Well, few of them do but not her. She doesn't yeah. go to school with any of these girls. And some of these girls are her best friends, you know, and it's yeah. that's that's really cool I will say. Um but yeah, when when you get home late at night and they're tired and stuff you're like man, I just, I just know if it's worth it but the problem Today's world is they can't go play rec ball in their towns anymore if they are a decent ball player. Yeah, because they're just there's like one team and some yep. of those kids don't even play baseball before. And it's, yep. Yep. Uh, it's, and a, it's a weird world, but it's it's fun overall. Where, where,
0: are, where are we going wrong in as parents? By, so I look at this and I go, hey, I was on one. We had one baseball league. They mixed all the kids up. Uh, all the kids played and uh and then they had an all-star team. so the best kids from all the teams got together and then they then they did the traveling and stuff like that. okay yeah. so now, if you even want to play in high school or even middle school or whenever whenever the the school teams start, you have got to be on club teams. You, like there's no none of this coach pitch stuff anymore. I mean, it's no. it's full-throttle baseball at this point. And I don't necessarily know if I like that.
1: Well, if I, like I don't it that know much. either because I feel bad for – I mean, like you said, if you want to play in high school, you don't have to play club ball all the way to high school. Yeah, But you will be so far behind the rest of the kids by the time you get to high school yep. that that's why you won't play because they're that much more developed. Yeah. And I kind of feel bad for some of those kids because they're just like they're just being like you and I were when we were back in school. Like yep. that's how it was with us. We you played on the same, one team. Yep. And then there was an all-star team at the end that you went to like maybe like one or two tournaments right. afterwards in yep. in the same area you lived. And that's yep. how it was. Yep. And that's then you moved on to football. And then you moved on to wrestling and basketball or whatever. Yep. And now it's just totally different
0: so all these kids are having to specialize in a sport at a younger age when studies show that and i saw this the other day studies show that kids who participate in more sports not just one sport actually become better athletes in a single sport when they get older so yeah i don't know look at all the
1: pros yep like look at all the pros out there almost all of them are, are multi-sport, multi-sport athletes,
0: athletes. Yep. yep. that's
1: the one thing we won't let our kids do is pick one right you know even like my son loves football my other son loves wrestling mm-hmm. that's great but you're still going to do the other ones that you like because yep. we're not we're not doing wrestling tw- you know 24 7 365 we're yep. not going to do softball 24 7, 365. Right. You're going to do several sports that you enjoy. Now, if you freaking hate everything else but this one sport, yeah. I, that's a different story. But most kids aren't that way. Most kids, like when I was growing up, my favorite sport was the sport I was playing at that moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then I moved on to the next one, and now that's my favorite sport. Yeah. So that's why I want them to keep trying different stuff. But yeah. it Absolutely. gets harder. Yeah, that's a fact.
0: And the politics, man. Oh, Jesus, man. Yeah. The politics. <laughs> So yes. we're on a, on a school, on a school club in a school club where there are three, three kids at, or three teams at my boy's age group. Well, now we're breaking out of that and we're going independent with our, our own team that he'll be on. And I just, he's not going to be associated with the school anymore Per se, all this, all the kids on the team are going to be from, uh, most of the kids, I should say one, two, two of the kids are not going to be from his school, uh, from his district, but everybody else will be. So we'll still be able to call ourselves by a law part of that school district, but we can't have the same team name as the school district. So I don't know, man. And then you got like moms chirping like oh shit the emails coming into the head coach and shit that he shared with me I'm just like what like your kid isn't playing you know why he's not playing
1: cuz he's not good <laughs> like dude he's, you want to he, hear some funny stories just talk to me off air yeah i believe it I, i've got some hilarious stories over i mean my daughter's damn near 16 years old so yeah. like we've been living this life now in the softball world since you know she was playing 8 u or whatever yeah. and uh yeah you you've You've seen it all, yeah. honestly, once you've, uh, get that, once you that, that life. Yeah, yep. for
0: sure. Well, let's talk about something, something I don't, I don't want to say more fun because I love watching my boy, uh, play, uh, softball. I love watching my girl do her dance stuff and things like that, but a different kind of fun. How about that? A different, a different, different kind of fun. And that's hunting gear and equipment, which is why I called this the hunting gear podcast. But listen, I want to talk about scenarios. Um, and what type of, you know, I think w- what we'll do is we'll just kind of get into it. It's going to be hard for me to explain it. And I want to kick it off with mechanical versus fixed blade broadheads. And, and so I'll, I'll kick it off just so you get an idea of what, what I want to talk about today. But in the past, I have been a mechanical broadhead guy, uh, for whitetails from a tree stand, uh, even from a ground blind, uh, from a saddle. I'm going to be shooting a mechanical broadhead. Most of my shots, my longest shot ever on a whitetail has been 34 yards, I believe it was, 34, 35 yards. And that was in timber. He just happened to step into a, a gap, and I shot him. But outside of that, everything has been inside um, inside 25 yards. Thus, I want something. I know that at 25 yards, unless I hit some kind of dense shoulder bone, that mechanical broadhead with my arrow setup, 524 grains, uh, total arrow weight, goes into that animal, it's going to do a lot of damage. And so I am a fan of fixed blade broadheads when hunting whitetails. Now, when I step outside of that, and you know you guys go elk hunting every year. I like to then go because it's a much bigger animal. There is a potential. There is a potential for maybe a longer shot uh, on elk. And I'm gonna probably use the same arrow, but I'm gonna be using a fixed blade broadhead. And and so the reason from that is if it is a longer shot, it is a bigger animal. That arrow is not gonna lose energy when that blade opens. And I'm gonna. You know, when I hit it, it's going to go in and the goal is to get obviously two holes that probably won't happen on an elk, but that's the goal anyway. And so right. uh, that's, that's how I, that's how I lay out my, my broadhead selection. What are, what do you do?
1: I think it, I th- you already explained it basically, right? Because right. for me, I'm kind of the exact opposite of you. I, I just got a new bow this year. So I had a lot of uh, bow tuning done and, and I know my, per- my exact setup. You're running a a 524 grain arrow, I think you said. Yep. Mine come in at 416.
0: Okay.
1: Because I'm 27-inch draw, so I'm shooting shorter arrows. Uh, My arrows are a 300 spine. You might be a 250. I don't know. but So they're a little lighter Mm -hmm. per inch. And so I've got a lighter arrow. So this year – now, last year I did, for whitetail, shoot a a mechanical. Okay. But – I'm so damn OCD that I need I need to try to get everything together. So I'm moving to a, a good cut-on contact fixed blade this year because I'm going out, like you said, hunting elk in Wyoming, and I'll obviously be hunting whitetail. So I want the, the broadhead to cut the second it touches the animal and not lose as much energy as possible mm-hmm. because I'm already at 416 – and 253 feet per second so i'm a slower arrow that's lighter mm-hmm. you're shooting a heavier arrow that's still probably faster than what i'm shooting because your draw link is most likely i've seen you you're taller than me you're a bigger dude it's probably at least 29 30 inch draw yep i'm shooting 27 so there's a lot of like variances between the way your bow setup is and mine yeah so i'm i'm all cut on contact fixed blade all the way yeah forward, I think, right now.
0: Yeah. And especially when I did go out on my elk hunts, I was using a uh a fixed blade then. And I stuck because I don't I, I don't want to have to retune my arrows when I have to put a new broadhead on. Right. I'm gonna right. shoot the same head all year for all animals. And so the year that I ended up that I, the years that I've gone on these elk hunts, I think it's been four of them, I I, I kept that same head in the um, uh, in, in the whitetail woods. Now something happened, kind of crazy, in 2018 when uh, a, a, one of my target bucks comes out of this draw, uh, and I'm hunting inside of the timber on this field edge. And he he pretty much came up to just sent, check the field. The wind was kind of blowing into him, um, and so I just the my wind just Quartered, he turned into me before the the he caught the wind. And I was taking off a rain jacket at the time. So my bow's on the hook. I'm taking off my rain jacket. I set it down. He walks through one of my shooting lanes. I am able to grab my bow pretty quickly, get anchored in. And uh he was hard quartering away. And I had to kneel down in my stand to take the shot. Well, long story short, I hit him in the ham. Okay. But because of that fixed blade, I got a ton of penetration, and I was shooting five hundred. Uh, it wasn't as heavy as the one I'm new, shooting now. It was like four ninety-five or, or five hundred, some, somewhere right around there. And it went all. It hit his ham, went through his ham, went through all of his guts, popped his diaphragm. I think I nicked, or I got liver, and then I nicked a little bit of the lung underneath just a, a very little bit which kept him bleeding the whole time and then the the arrow came out of his uh, his opposite side shoulder blade and there's no way I'm getting that type of penetration with a mechanical broadhead you know what I mean and, and I probably would have not recovered that white tail uh, I don't I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain I would have not recovered that white tail if I did not have a, uh, a fixed blade on there, so you know it, it's hard to say. Here, here's why I like mechanicals for one one reason, uh, and it's because, especially in the whitetail world, they do an absolute ton of damage, ton of damage. Yeah. So that's kind of where it's like
1: it's like you want you want. Everything you want damage yep. and penetration, yep. But and you can get it with mechanicals if you hit the right spot. I yep. mean, obviously, if you hit straight lungs and don't hit anything uh, outside of bone, you're probably going to pass through and, and do some major damage. Yeah, um, the way I'm looking at it, just with my setup, and remember, everybody's setup is different. Yep, um, you know, I'm a shorter guy with a lighter arrow that's running slower, so. I just want to get as deep into the animal's cavity as I can because I'm already hurting myself. So that's the way I look at it. Now you got other guys like yourself that have heavier arrows that are still probably running faster than mine. Mm -hmm. You can afford to put something on there that's going to, you know, poke a giant hole as soon as it starts, you know, opening up, um, and still might make it further in than me. Yeah. But, um, that's just kind of my, and you know, the fixed blade I'm picking, it's a, it's a pretty large blade set up as far as, um, the surface. It's not like I'm poking a, a little quarter inch hole in there, yeah but, uh, that's just kind of why I've chosen to go fixed blade is no, obviously because of elk. And then I just feel like I want to try to get as much penetration as I can. Now, if you, if you hit them double lung and it doesn't matter what the hell you're shooting, they're going to die. Yeah. But um obviously shot shot selection is number 1, but then after that, you know, you want to try to play the odds. And in that case, I'm playing the odds. I want to get as deep as I can. Yeah. So, yeah. What
0: what heads are you using?
1: Uh they're the most expensive heads I probably could find, but they're they're Iron Will solids.
0: Okay. So they're heavy yeah. duty. Are they 150 grain?
1: No, they're 100s. That's oh, what I'm a little okay. bit lighter.
0: Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes yeah. sense. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are a pretty well-built broadhead. And, and so I I am a huge fan of wasp broadheads. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with, be, because of, I, it's the first pack of broadheads that I ever shot. And I very rarely lost any deer throughout the years uh, with them. And so I, I was able to recover my deer and I was pretty happy with it. But with that said, um, the, if I'm going to, I have to, I have to have this in full disclosure because, um, wasp definitely, I mean, they pay me. Um, I've been, I've had a, a absolute great relationship with these guys. Their heads are made in America, which is another thing that I really like. Um, the iron will too, right? Or no. Yeah, yep. yep. Okay. So there's they two, are. yeah, two brands made in America that's awesome. So I know that the durability is going to be there. The material is going to be there. The craftsmanship is going to be there. And that, that makes it confident for me. Um, but the only thing, and and a lot of other broadheads are like this too, in the, in the jackhammers that I use, uh, when I'm, when I'm inside 30, it's not an issue, but when you're outside of that, you know, you're, you're starting to stretch out to 40, maybe a little bit longer. Um, the when the blades open from the top down right and they're on that hinge yeah not a not a uh like rage has their their slip cams where it start they start up and they slide down they don't open up like the wasps do i've never seen any type of studies about energy loss on broadheads um you know they always talk about penetration but they don't i think it obviously energy loss is what leads to uh, a lack of penetration. So the wasp jackhammers that I use—they do a ton of damage, but I'm almost—I'm pretty sure that there's a good amount of energy loss going into it. Um, I shot my deer in 2020 into the chest. He was—he was right at me, and I put it right in him, and it made it all but—you know—all but five or all but five inches into them. But then if I was shooting that same animal with a fixed blade, I'm sure it just would have went all the way through him, Right. Right yeah. out, right out his ham or something or his guts or something. So.
1: And there's some pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you've heard of sever broadheads, but they're a mechanical, uh, broadhead. Yep. I don't know where they're made. I know they're out in Northwest America somewhere, but, um, I shot those. I've never shot an animal with them. Yep. So I, I can't tell you anything with that, but, uh, Andy did. And what's cool about their broadhead is its deployment. So it deploys from the front, and then it's got some sort of a, uh, um, like a pulley system—not a pulley, a pivot system. Mm-hmm. So, like, as the blades are going through the animal, if they hit a bone, it pivots so that. Oh yeah. Yep. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't lose all that energy that it's wasting going through the bone. It, it basically falls off. Yeah. And then as soon as the bone gives away, it, it pops back up. Um, that's pretty cool. I don't know, you know, wh- what that would do differently than like a brand that stays open and doesn't, you know, matter. But yeah. um, I bought those because there's a guy, he's actually in Iowa, uh, where you are, Lusk Archery Adventures. I don't okay. know if you've heard of John Lusk. Yeah, the name he, sounds he, familiar. He tests broadheads. That's what he does. Yeah. He's got a YouTube channel. That's all he does is test broadheads. And, um, that sever several years ago, it tested pretty well. And so I, I bought a few of them. They're not that expensive. Um, but I, like I said, I've never shot them on an animal. I mean, truth be told, I've never shot a deer with a, a, a mechanical broadhead yet. Okay. It's always been fixed blade. Yeah. Um, I've been hunting with mechanicals, but I've never shot one. So I, I can't really speak on mechanicals. I mean, those severs are the first mechanicals I ever bought. And that was two years ago. So, yeah.
0: That's crazy. I'll I'll say this, man. Um, I shot a doe one year with, I mean, it was a 20-yard chip shot, maybe even a little closer. She came out. I drew back. She was a slight quartering away, and I hit her. I went through her front side lung, went through her back side lung, and then I hit her uh, the uh, shoulder joint up front. hmm and I knocked her flat down, right? And the arrow <laughs> pinned her to the ground, and so, uh, and then she had she was struggling to get up, and then she ran, and then she fell over like you know twenty yards later, and I don't like I don't th- I don't think think I would have got a pass through with a mechanical, but that was with a boss uh, a boss four blade from wasp, so that was that was pretty impressive, and and so I don't know, uh, now here's the question. And, I, and it's, it's pretty easy. I, I think I know the answer for you. It's going to be, if you had to choose between any of them, it would be a fixed blade, right? You're choosing yeah. a fixed blade, yeah. I also think that if you had to tell me I can only use one broadhead for all creatures, then I would also choose a fixed blade. But because I have the ability to choose and I, you know, am going to go hunt whitetails i'm gonna go hunt mule deer relatively close then i am gonna you know i am gonna uh, i would probably pick a pick a fixed blade but you know i'm glad i have the options
1: there's so many like uh like fixed blade yeah i would pick those but then at the same time if you're if you're a detail oriented person at least yep there's there's more setup to a fixed blade you know i'm very anal about my blades and the arrow it's on yeah. So once I find an arrow that a broadhead likes to sit on, uh, when I tune them, I number that arrow and I number that broadhead and they're together for the rest of the season. Yeah. That is, there's a lot more work in the fixed blade with the freaking those severs or even like the wasp, uh, jackhammer, like you were talking about, you can screw that freaking thing on any one of your arrows and go hunt. You yeah. know, it's, it's easier. And there's something to be said for that because it's nice. Yeah. But I um, if, I, if I had to pick, I'd still go on the fixed side.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's only a kick. Pressure. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Adidas. All right, now, do you do much hunting out of, like, box blinds or uh, ground blinds? Zero. I hate them. I'm just going to get that out of the way quick because, <laughs> you know, I've spent I've spent my whole life in a tree. Like, all my hunting has been done from a, a saddle or a tree stand, right? Just recently out of a saddle, but most of the time yeah. it's been from a, a hang-on tree stand or when, when I was real young, a ladder stand. I get into a blind and I just feel claustrophobic in a, in a way. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I should, I I need to see more or, or yeah. right. And so obviously box blinds and ground blinds have their value probably for kids, probably for people who uh, have destination food sources or food plots or things like that. But for me, man, I can't like I would rather sit on the ground and just be still than than be in a ground blind.
1: You, you hit the nail on the head. I don't need to say much more, dude. I, 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 I will never myself probably be in a box blind if I'm hunting or a blind of any sort. Now, like last year, my son chase killed his first deer out of a, a blind. Right. But that's because I had a little boy with me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and actually Andy was with us too. So there's three of us. Those definitely have their place. Yeah. And I've got one, I've got one sitting in my shop right now that still needs to be put together a tower and a blind. Yeah. But you dude, when they, when they say it's a blind, it's not just a blind for the animals. It's a blind for the hunter. I hate yeah. it. I I, I, feel, I can't smell the woods anymore. Yeah. I can't feel the wind on my, the back of my neck. I can't, I feel like I'm just watching a TV of the woods, Yeah, you know, in front of me and dude, I can't tell him how I cannot tell you how many times last year, or the year before that I, you know, had an area I wanted to go to and I just went and sat on the ground. Yeah. I would much rather be on the ground out with nature than being a blind. That's just me. I've never liked them. Probably never will. Yeah. But as the kids hunt, I, I have used them just because they, they serve a purpose for that, um, that area but basically you won't catch me in one if i'm by myself right
0: okay um so then uh, i think i heard you once maybe i'm wrong maybe it's somebody else you do you have ladder stands you use ladder stands
1: oh yeah for the boys for For the boys yeah Yeah, okay
0: um again perfect for kids um maybe older hunters even like if you if you're like a rifle hunter you can get into one fairly easy down a a a clear cut or a road or something like that uh do you personally have any ladder stands let's say in good rut spots or or in some of your best spots
1: yeah i do i mean uh well i don't think you see him but that deer right there no it's that one he was killed out of a ladder stand. Okay. Um, what, what I'll do with them, I actually put five together last two weekends ago. Okay. Uh, I did this whole story about it. It was an entire day of putting double ladder stands. But the only ladder stands I own are doubles. And what I'll do is, if it's in a property that I know I, I'm going to be at for a while, um, I will pick areas that I like, and I'll find a good tree that a double ladder stand can go in, in and I will hang that tree and I will prepare that area for that stand.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Doesn't mean I won't hunt out of another tree near that stand by myself, but it's, it's so that, so when the, when the boys first started going with me, I had a lot of daddy, I want to go with you tonight. And I had to go, Hey bud, where I'm going, you can't be with me Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm going back here to this, this hang on, or I've got my stuff on my back. I'm sorry. Well, I really got tired of telling my sons no, so I started setting up these doubles in areas I like to be too, so that if they wanted to go, I could take them. Yeah, and we could get in a double together. And and once again, I said I hate blinds. I still hate them even if the boys are with me if I can help it. Yeah. So I'd rather be in a, a double tree stand than a uh, a blind. Yeah. So I'll I'll hang them in those areas that I like, um, and I'm not scared to put them in areas that. I would I would be during the rut or you know pushing in. I don't think bothering areas during the summertime really affect the deer that much if you're in there for a couple hours and you're out of there. Right. I honestly make as much noise as I can when I'm setting them up so that the deer are well aware that I'm in there working. Yeah. Um, you know, drive the side by side back there, make sure they know you're there. Uh, then I don't think it really affects them. And so my plan is for those five double stands to go throughout a few of my properties just so the boys can go with me as much as possible this next year. Um, so yeah, I have no problem hunting out of a double. And then sometimes if I get some information, for instance, the deer behind me that I killed two seasons ago now, um, I felt like he was going to come from a certain way. And I happened to have this tree stand right on a path because of the way I set it up. And I'm like, man, I just, I don't see how he's not going to scent check and he's not going to use this path. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why he wouldn't use it, and he, he he did exactly what I thought he would do. He came straight down the path with his nose to the ground and walked within 20 yards of me and, and got shot. So, Gotcha. Um, you know, they serve their purpose, and I'll probably always use double ladder stands some somehow for yeah. at least the next 10 years.
0: Yeah, yeah. That makes That's a great point. I mean, I, and eventually at some point I'm going to get my kids in the tree with me too. And I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to have to have something like that. The issue is like ground blind versus double ladder stand. like Especially if it's a young kid. I, I definitely think ground blinds have their place. Because really, if you're hunting out of a ground blind with a kid, then I feel through managed expectations that I would understand that, you know, it's not necessarily going to go down tonight. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, if right. I'm out there hunting, I'm the hunter, and I bring in my kid with me, uh, I'm probably just doing it to be convenient for them. You know, probably, I don't know, I'm not going after the big buck. You know what I mean? Like I would, right. you know, from a strategy standpoint. So, I don't
1: know. Um, and, and as time goes on, like, I've learned a lot since I started taking my sons like the first my son Caden first time I ever took him hunting with me I went out and set up two hang-on stands perpendicular to each other in a tree yeah and what I did was I was like well what I'll do is I'll have him in front of me and then I'll have him get into the stand on the uh south side and then I'll sit on the one facing west and he'll be right next to me it'll be great well I didn't think of the fact that he was fucking terrified climbing that tree Uh, in the dark no, it was it was an evening sit, so oh, okay. we were going in. The, but you know, you're talking about tree sticks instead of a ladder. Mm-hmm. So you know, you're 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 you. It's it's like for a kid, I can see where it would be much more scary than climbing a ladder, right. where you can just go up just like a uh, a a ladder. Right. And I remember that night vividly. Like I don't remember a lot about my life, but that I remember because, like, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm like, am I gonna make him? finish this climb or are we going to not hunt tonight right and you know i I was a dick and i was like no you're you're almost there Mm -hmm. get your ass up the tree you can do it Mm -hmm. and you know when he got up there after he got set down then he had the time of his life right and then then we had to climb down in the dark and he was scared again but (laughs) um so like i just i just i mean i will set up a a double setup again because now he's been hunting with me for several years and he's not scared of it anymore but I just want to try to make it easy on them right? because at the same time, they're still 10 years old, you know, 10, yeah. 11 years old. It, they're still kids and they're not us. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to like star them and, you know, have some shit happen or something like that. Right. So, right. Uh, you know, that's where the, the ladder stand is just really, really yeah, nice. Perfect.
0: And so I heard you mention that you are going to be messing around with a saddle.
1: Uh, this yep. year, uh, why? So I got a new property okay. to me and I just got it, uh, like two and a half weeks ago. Okay. So scouting is not really much of an option this year. I mean, you, obviously you can go walking through the woods, yeah. but seeing their travel, their travel corridors are a lot harder in the middle of the summer yep. than they are in the winter time. And I don't really want to go blowing through there that often right now. Yep. Um, as much as I can help it. And so I got a new property, so I have done a little bit. I put some mineral out um, where I could, and I've got some cameras out, obviously. Mm -hmm. And as I'm in there doing that stuff, I'm just really paying attention. And this is funny to say, but the two other farms that I hunt, those farms suck for trees. Okay. You know, they've got like one of them is just nothing but hedge trees. And, you know, like getting a double ladder stand into some of those has been the big, I mean, it's like you're just spending half your time with a chainsaw. Right. Um, so this place, though, I've noticed has a lot of straight trees with not a lot of understory.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, well, some understory, obviously, but straight trees. And I'm just like, I could be in that one. I could be in that one. I could be in that one. And I just thought, dude, I'm, I don't know this property. It's probably going to take me this year to learn this property as I'm hunting. Mm -hmm. And that just brought me back to one thing saddle. Yeah. Um, you know, my run and gun setup that I had before with a uh, a tree stand. It's fine, but it's heavy as shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't like carrying it in.
0: What were you using?
1: It's an X. I love, I like the stand, but it's an XOP Vanish. Yep. And then I've got the, the tree stand transport system on it. Yep. And then at the time I was, I'm using Hawk helium sticks yep. with daisy chains instead of the the, the the buckles. But every time I would go in and hunt with it. And I haven't done that in a couple of years now. Um, I would feel like I was packing an elk in, right? Like it was heavy, you know, like, well, what I would do is I would have the tree stand on my back and I would fold the seat down and then I would place my backpack on that seat and I would strap everything together. Mm -hmm. Now I probably had more stuff in my backpack than I needed to have, but it just, it wasn't fun for me. I wasn't enjoying going in like that. Uh, It was just too heavy. Yeah. So I'm just like, you know, if I'm going to be doing this run and gun stuff at this new property where I need to see new stuff and new spots and, you know, I might see a buck 80 yards away one night and I need to make a move two nights later. It's just, it's a, it's a saddle. I mean, they, there's so many companies now that make good stuff and you've heard enough good things about them that I, it was a pretty easy decision to make. So yeah, I got one.
0: Yeah. I got a new one too this year. Uh, it's called the lockdown from Tethered, and the the thing that I really 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 like about it is it's got two like pockets. Not necess- they're not pockets, but there's uh, little packages, little containers that you can unzip uh, that you and put stuff in. And so I'm the kind of guy who likes to whenever I do a run and gun, everything is in my pockets or in my like my hoodie, and so mm-hmm. I'll be able to easily pull out a bow rope or pull out a, um, a screw in step or something like that. So I have the other saddle, um, as well, the, man, the XL or whatever i shit, I forget the name of it right now, but anyway, so that one worked great, but I felt like I was still having to dig in, you know, I was digging in my pockets and, and, uh, you know, trying to get my backpack off and things like that. This one, everything's going to be right on my hip. And so it's going to be easy to set up. And then by the time I'm up the tree, the only thing I have to do is hang my backpack up, pull my bow up, hang it. And I'm set. I'm good. Right. I'm yeah. good to go. So,
1: yeah, I'm pretty excited. I mean, like I said, I, I, all I have is the saddle and the platform right now. I still got to get my sticks and, and uh, whatever else I need. But so I haven't like tried it yet and played right. with it. So I'm, Obviously I've got to practice because it's different than a tree stand. But dude, the platform, I got the larger platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, I all my stuff, it's a trophy line set up. And so I got the the mission platform, I think it's called. And it's bigger, but it's bigger than the small one, but it's like nothing, dude. You can just sit there and yeah. like hold it in your the palm of your hand almost. So yeah. I'm excited I'm just excited about that. And then you're gonna be wearing the the saddle. Yep. Into the woods, yep. um, so I haven't decided what sticks I'm going to go with yet. Uh, obviously, Trophy Line has a, a setup that I might go with, but um, I've heard a lot of good shit about those tethered one sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just so how light they are, yeah, and they're, they're uh, pretty stuff light. like that. So, yeah,
0: yeah they're pretty light. Um, Hang ons, like I still feel, I still feel like tree stands definitely have their place and the reason I like I'm still mobile uh, but I feel like I'm going to have across all of my properties I'm going to have four total that's like 600 some acres of only four preset tree stands the rest is going to be bouncing around on a on a a saddle and uh, obviously all of my out-of-state hunts will be from a saddle but I feel like hang-ons definitely have their place, especially in like a morning hunt, right? I don't care who you are setting up, going mobile uh, in the pitch black dark sucks a little bit, right? You can't see your, you know, obviously you got your headlamp on. You want to be as quiet and less intrusive as possible, but they're, you know, even if you got a saddle, even if even if you think you're a pro at setting up, there's still a little bit of intrusion versus walking to a preset uh, tree stand and climbing straight up it and snapping in.
1: No doubt. And that 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 property I'm telling you about, I'm probably going to set up a few of them. Yeah, because I've got a few and I've picked what I think is a good spot. Yeah, I, I love hang on still. And from a running gun standpoint, I mean you 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 used to and yep. still probably will at some point that's all you did was, mm-hmm. was run a gun with a hang on the issue i had was my setup probably just wasn't the best right, right. um you know like my xop just a little heavier than a lone wolf mm-hmm. um a little heavier than maybe a few others the hawks the hawk sticks that i had a little heavier than the rest yeah the way i took it in probably put way too much shit in my backpack yeah. You know, compared to what I needed to have in there. It could have been easier. Right. But, you know, uh, that there's definitely a place for that. But I, the way I looked at it for this next year is if I'm going to run and gun one way or the other, I'm going to go as light as I can because then I'll do it. Yeah. If, it, if it's heavy and I don't want to do it, I'm not going to. Right. Um, so I, I, I'm going to go as light as I can, and that's obviously going to be a saddle. Yeah. So.
0: Uh, the thing that I need to figure out is I'm the guy who goes to my tree stand in just a, like, I, I, I take off layers and add layers throughout the, an entire hunt, right? By the time I get to a tree, I'm usually soaking wet with sweat, Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, unless I just wear a base layer and, and pull the what I call the freeze method, where I'm just so cold. Uh, but by the time I climb up the tree I start to warm up and then I start throwing layers on and if I time it right I can do it but most of the time I'm I'm, I'm, I'm wet I'm sweaty and then you know that the base layers there the issue that I'm like with a saddle is just like the layering part of it right the, the what, what I got to try to figure out is how I'm going to layer
1: my clothes uh, in a saddle I hadn't thought of that yet. Yep. Yeah, that'll be weird because I'm the same way. I get hot easy. So
0: yeah, most of my most of my saddle hunts have been in just throw a jacket on. Right. I was able to stand up on the platform, uh, put my jacket on, and then I was good. But we're not talking about bib anything about bib overalls. We're not talking. And I think the way most of the bib overalls they snap, unsnap down a little bit. So I might be able to tuck the front part of the saddle up into it buckle up and then and then button it up close with just the ropes hanging out of the uh
1: the overalls yeah because isn't that i mean obviously people just heard i just got one so i haven't hunted out of one yet but one of the things that people i guess complain about quote unquote is you know like their jackets riding up on them and exposing their back or whatever. So like a lot of people talk about hunting out of bibs because yep. it's uh it's nice. Then you don't have that problem. I've never been a bib wearer. I've got a few and I might wear them, but um, that's a good point. I never really thought of that. Cause you know, my thought was I was going to put the saddle on, on the truck and then go in. Yep. But, or do you wait until you get to the base of the tree and then make sure you put on what you need to put on for that hunt? Yeah before that i I guess i'll have to figure that out as i'm hunting yeah Yeah, for
0: sure that's just just one more thing you got to think about when you know trying new equipment um but you know the more i've watched saddle hunting i used to think that there was a lot of movement in saddle hunting right where uh you know if you're in a tree stand you're just sitting there you can turn your head and look maybe you can stand up and turn around but I feel like if I set my saddle up right, and I, I messed around with this a lot, it's, it's almost more of a natural movement to swing. It's not, I don't know, I feel like it's more like a tree branch would move than it would be standing up straight, turning around in a stand. Um, you know, I, I haven't gotten busted in a saddle yet. I haven't killed a deer out of a saddle either, but I haven't gotten busted yet either. So, uh, and I had some, I had some pretty close encounters with a doe, some, like a doe group this year. And so I was, I don't know. Uh, I'm looking forward to expanding my knowledge base, uh, of saddle hunting.
1: That's a perfect way to put it. I'm yep. looking forward to, well, here's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to cussing at the freaking thing <laughs> and saying, this is stupid because that, that I guarantee you the first time I go to use it, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> that's funny. And And then I'll be like, I'll probably call Mike and be like, nah, screw this. I'm not hunting out of this anymore. Blah, blah, blah. And then by the third time, I'm going to just be like, this is the best thing ever. Anything I ever do. That's how it goes. So
0: you'll bitch about the saddle not being right, but then you'll go back to the tree stand. Then you'll bitch about it being too heavy. Right. (laughs) So yeah, I'm the same. I'm looking
1: forward to being super agitated for the first couple like weeks of my hunting season. Yeah. Uh, out of a saddle and it's not the saddle's fault and it's not going to be anybody's fault but my own because stuff always comes up that you don't think about. Right. You know, like we just, we just talked about the, the clothing thing, you know, something's going to come up that I'm like, Oh man, I, this, I really wish there was something I had right here for my, my bag to pull up. Yeah. Or why the hell am I going back down the tree? I need to have this and I'll be aggravated that entire hunt yep. because I didn't think of that before. Yep. And then eventually I'll work all my kinks out and then I'll be happier in hell. But yeah. I know it's coming. It always does. Yeah. So For sure. Yeah. For
0: sure. Um, let's see here. Do you ever wear rubber boots? Never. Never. Neither do I. I was gonna you know, I feel like rubber boots maybe have their place on a on a warmer weather, really wet scenario. I know a lot of guys in the South pretty much, you know, if they're hunting swamps, you'd gotta you have to have rubber boots. Uh, but for me, uh, there's always some kind of high ground to walk on. I, uh, unless it's like, unless I had to cross a crick that I couldn't jump over or do a quick splash into, I'm, I'm not, I'm not wearing rubber boots, but, uh, I think that's it, man. That's all I really, those, those two things are really what I wanted to cover today. Uh, in, in those types of scenarios. Um, Oh, saddle, saddle verse. Hang on, really. I, you know, we were talking about scenarios. Uh, ground blind's great for food plot hunting. Great for uh, rifle hunting, long, longer distances. Maybe uh, kids, that kind of stuff. Hang ons, sure. hang ons. There's a lot of overlap, in my opinion, between hang ons and um, uh, hang ons and saddles, especially when I, I feel like. And maybe I'm wrong on this, but I feel like with my saddle, I, I had to trim a little bit more compared to getting a tree stand in. And the reason I say that is because when you're, you know, you're facing the tree, so then you have to, you know, you got to shoot, you're shooting, you're, sometimes you're shooting towards the tree. And I felt like I had, like when I was doing my running guns with saddle hunting, I had to, I had to trim a little bit more around my body level than i did with um and maybe it's because with a saddle you get you have more shot opportunity on the back side of the tree than you do with a stand so maybe that's what i was trying to get at
1: i think and also hang-ons are like super versatile like if you think about it you can there's hang-ons that are little as hell that you can run and gum with there's big ass hang-ons you can like so honestly hang-ons almost can be like a ladder stand yep in some instances where you can do what I was talking about where you have two in one tree and you take a kid in it. Yeah. You can have a small hang on where you're running and gunning. You mm-hmm. can have larger hang-ons that you preset, yep. which is basically a ladder stand, but it's not. Yeah. You know? And yeah. so um, I will always have hang-ons. I I I will have a lot of preset setups because I like to do that. Yeah. Uh so they're they're super versatile. Um I definitely we'll always use those um, just because I'm using a saddle this year. does not mean I won't be in a hang out of hang ons, maybe as much. And honestly, we didn't even talk about this, but there is one type of hunting that has intrigued me more and more and more. And mm. I've done more and more of it. And that's hunting off the ground. Yeah,
0: you're right. Um, You're right.
1: So, I mean, because all the stuff we just talked about, that can all go away mm. when you're off the ground yeah. and you're, now, obviously, there's there's negatives to hunting off the ground, and I definitely understand those negatives. Every time I'm ever on the ground, I think to myself, boy, it'd be nice to be 10 feet up in the air right now. Oh, absolutely. You know? Yeah. But, man, I'm telling you, it's just so free. Yeah. It's just such a free feeling that there's another option for people. If you don't have the money to go buy a saddle, you don't have the money to buy a few hang-ons and hang them or some ladder stands, just go sit at the base of a tree and stay still yeah play, play the wind the same way yep um you need to worry about your wind a little more mm-hmm. out on the ground for sure because now you're 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 right there right but dude there's i know a buddy of one of our partners he's a habitat guy he is a straight up killer and he does not hunt out of anything but his own two feet yeah so
0: yeah. My you know, dumb there's man. lots of people up. Yeah, my dumb ass is messing up, messing that up somehow. <laughs> I'm too big to be stealthy. Uh, like that I wasn't. Is true. You I, are a large man. I was not born to be quiet. So like I'm not a cheetah. I'm a rhinoceros. So <laughs> uh,
1: you you are a large individual. That's where I kind of have a, an advantage there because I can kind of get into areas that you you have to just basically stand out there like a sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're a timber ninja, and I'm a yeah. deep, like I'm just like a. a truck going through the field so yeah Um, Yeah. well hey man I really appreciate you doing this last minute thank you very much for uh, hopping on if you guys haven't checked out the Missouri Woods and Water podcast it's great if you live in Missouri it's also great because they cover a lot of nationwide issues as well so uh, go check out Nate and the rest of the Missouri Woods and Water crew other than that uh, Nate man thank you and good luck with the rest of your summer
1: thanks buddy shoot your bow folks